Well, folks, welcome to One More Edition of Politics and Random. Egberto will your host. Thank you so kindly being right here in the show with us. We're going to have a great show for you today. Welcome aboard, Bridge MCP. Welcome aboard, May Wood. Welcome aboard, AVQ. Welcome aboard, our beautiful Yvette Avery Herod. Welcome aboard, all that's here early on time. We are going to be zooming in more people. Come on in, people. Come on in, people. Anyway, we got a great show for you today. A great thing happened to me today with my glasses. These are just regular readers. As you guys know, I had some cataract surgery. And after that, by the way, I used to be nearsighted. I am not nearsighted anymore. I need readers. But you know what I can see now? I can see far. Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist. A confidence boost before your interview. Or a last minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. I can read my diploma on the wall where I couldn't before. I can look through the windows where I couldn't before. It's great. But let me tell you what happened and what I learned today. And this should be a learning experience for everybody. So I'm going to tell you my learning experience, and I hope some of you can use it. Uh, yesterday, I went for my sort of fine, not yet, was it yesterday or the day before? I went for sort of my final checkup for the cataract uh, surgery. Remember, I have two new lens. I went for the cheapest lens. That was the one that didn't have any kind of adjustments or whatever. So it just gives me that I can see far. That's what I did. I didn't want to spend any other money. That's what I could afford. Okay, great. So what it meant is that I need reading glasses. But when I wear my reading glasses, I can't see far with my reading glasses. I have to take it off to see. Old man stuff, man. I can't believe I'm at the age where this kind of stuff happens now. But I went ahead and they offered me at this eye clinic, which gave me great service, by the way. And folks, we'll get into the show, but I want to tell the story. So after I get my, I go in there and they, the eye checked out fine. They're happy with the work they did. And I'm happy with the work they did. They send me into the section that gives you glasses. And I said, I want to be able to wear glasses that I don't have to tip put on and off. So they said, okay, go ahead and get the, not bifocals now. They have this stuff called transition, not transition. Um, it, uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. The glasses that pro progressive, progressive lens, which means on the top you see far. And as you go down, you see closer, closer, closer. Excellent. So I go there and I said, okay, don't forget, give me the good price. And by the way, guys, if you treat me right when I go on my internet program, I'll tell folks how good you guys, your service were. All right, good. The lady said, oh, you know, the best we can do is give you a 15% discount. I said, okay, let's start talking about glasses now. So she says, uh, do you want this with the coating and all of that? Yeah, but I want the cheapest glasses. That's what I want, the cheapest glasses that will work fine. So said, okay. And then I said, what's the price? $895 for a pair of glasses. I'm like, ma'am, give me the prescription. I'll take the prescription. If I can't get a better price, I'll come back. So I go ahead and I go to a site called um, uh, goggles, goggles4u.com. When I went to goggles4u.com, they had glasses out there. And when I was done doing my, my the, the prescription, I put it in the computer, the prescription and everything. And with the 50% discount for being a new, new person, a new uh a new customer, a glasses that was 
on their on their thing with the automatic shading and, and the progressive stuff, that glasses would cost me one hundred and thirty dollars or one hundred and forty dollars. Call it one forty. I'm happy with the price, but I have never heard of goggles for you before, so I'm skeptic. Then I I I, I was told by others to go see this this other place called I Buy Direct. I Buy Direct is another company that sells glasses. And I go to I Buy Direct and they quote my glasses at 226 with all the good features. It's a metallic counter, all, all that good stuff. So after we get the I get it quoted, I apply my discount. First time discount, all that kind of stuff. I get the price down from $230 or so to $149. And since this is a more reputable place, I went ahead and said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get this glasses for $149, even though with all the discounts and magic from uh, uh, Google's for you, I think I got it for about $70. I don't remember, somewhere around there. Anyhow, here's a great thing. Uh, the, the, I get an email today because I left the glasses in my cart uh, at Goggle for you. I left it in the cart. They send me a coupon today. 71% off. So it's not going to be all that much and I get an extra pair of glasses. So I bought the one at iDirect for about 140 And then I can end up going to these other guys for probably 30 bucks or so. I'm going to get the other glasses for. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get both. Because as it turns out, with all the coupons or whatever, I have the spare. You know, it's easy to break these glasses or whatever. I have the spare. Now, Getting two glasses online, going through the networks online, is equivalent to one four times the price of what they were going to charge me for one. So that is one-eighth the cost. One-eighth the cost by not going to the people who did the cataract surgery. Only reason I'm doing this is telling you this is an advice. Shop around. I know I usually don't shop around. I'm sorry. I go ahead, buy, and, and go. But this time, with money tight, I'm shopping around for just about everything. And it saved me over $600. Over $600 saving by going ahead and doing all this stuff. And also taking advantage of leaving stuff in the cart. So what am I trying to tell you guys all together? If you're shopping online for certain things... Leave the stuff in your cart and go away. More than likely, a coupon will be coming for you to empty that cart. I just learned, I just learned that today, I must add. I just learned. Maybe you guys who shop a lot know all of that. I didn't. So I just learned that. Anyhow, 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 let's go ahead. BridgeMCP says the following. Has anyone seen this? Weird. Uh, what is it, Bridge? Egberto, if you have time, I'll read it. If there was a time when presidential races were dignified and respectful, well, that's long in the rear view. Welcome to 2024. Welcome to hell. Last night, in a Twitter spaces marred by glitches, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced that he was running for president. Within hours, former President Trump took to Instagram with a seemingly AI-generated video so absurd that I had to double-check it. In fact, posted at Real Donald Trump. The video laced with homophobic and anti-Semitic innuendo sees Elon Musk, Ron DeSantis, George Soros, Klaus Schwab, 
Dick Cheney, Adolf Hitler, the devil, and the FBI in a fictional Twitter space. In the video, DeSantis attempts to announce his presidential run, but is interrupted by a babbling Soros, a coffin Cheney, a yelling Hitler, and an FBI representative who publicly wonders, okay, so how are we going to take out Trump, you guys? After DeSantis manages to spit out the words, I'm running for effing president, okay? Trump's voice also seemingly AI-generated, despite coming from his own Instagram account, jumps into the make to make his 2024 campaign pitch. The devil, I'm gonna kick your ass very soon, Hitler. You're already dead. Dick Cheney sounds like you'll be joining Hitler very soon. Klaus Schwab and George Soros, I'm putting both your asses in jail. And Ron DeSanctimonious can kiss my big, beautiful 2024 presidential ass. Wow. Is that what our campaign is going to look like with AI doing a whole lot of this work? Guess what? I think it is. I think there, there's a lot more to come. Eric Hay says, rule of law, not onerous regulations win the time. Idaho couple can now build a home. I saw that and I'm very disappointed, but that's okay. Once of the, one of these days, we'll learn about that the environment is sacred, but for now, what can I say? Michael Rodney says, DeSantis had a failure. Uh, by the way, Eric, the reason I didn't read your entire comment is because that particular article is something that I want to also uh, discuss. But yeah, I got it. Uh, question from Eric. Uh, do, do you believe in elites or globalism and tribalism? If so, please state your case either way. Do you believe in elites or globalism and tribalism? I don't believe uh, in elites uh, running things, if that's what you're asking. As far as globalism is concerned, I don't exactly know what you mean by that. I know what I mean myself by globalism, and globalism is that we're all on this planet together, and one company should not monopolize something over the other. So if that is being a globalist, I guess I am. Uh, let's see. Eric says things are expensive. Well, actually, in my case with my glasses, things are cheap. These are, these are prescription progressive glasses that I ordered, and I got a hell of a deal. Well, I, I think I did. I think Alistair Waters was telling me Zenny is somewhere I can get glasses as well. Didn't check them out, but I will. All right, let's see what I said, what we go to now. Michael Rodness and DeSantis had a failure to launch on Twitter. That Spaces app never finished coming out of beta. Musk fired way too many of his support staff, and Twitter is showing how badly it's become. Meanwhile, DeSantis followers couldn't wait 20 minutes with the buggy mess in a background tab. I mean, the waiting time to see any politicians live is well over 20 minutes. DeSantis has no chance. You know, that's a hell of an observation, uh, Michael. In other words, if there's technical problems and DeSantis guys couldn't stick around to wait for that, you're so right about that. Uh, what else we got here? Eric says, good for you, Egberto. You did yourself proud and helping others and advocate. All can do that. Thank you, Eric. And you know what? You're right. And what Eric says is absolutely right. When we find things, tricks. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders 
with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. When we find new things to do to get ahead of the plutocracy like I did here, that is what we need to do. It's we the people, all of us in the masses. Thank you for that, brother Eric. I know there's a lot of good inside of you, my brother. That's why I like you. All right, Bruce says, I buy direct is my vendor. Whoop, whoop. So you did know about I buy direct, Bruce. Great. Uh, great seeing you last night at the at the uh, memorial for, I'm going to play that later, at the memorial that your wife conducted, uh, Susan Pollard, for running the mom's, mom, <laughs> I always get it wrong, mom's demand action. Mom's demand action for gun, putting gun in its right place. All right, Carl Cox says, conservative members of the Supreme Court side with polluters against the EPA and clean water. That's what Eric was talking about, Carl Cox. Yep, that's, and you're right about that. Okay, continuing, 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 continuing. Caveat Emperor from Bruce Pollard. Eric Hay says, you must pay attention. You love, you, you love you some Musk, Eric. And Michael says, as it comes to talking points, terms, like elites and globalism, they have different meanings depending on who you're talking to. Making sure you have a common definition before discussing is important. Good observation. <laughs> Melanie Keelan is in the house and she says, getting in late. You know what? It doesn't matter. It means, baby, you're here. Lee Grant is in the house. The failure at Twitter was due to the huge interest which overwhelmed the system. That in itself is the statement. That in itself is a statement, not really. I think the statement that Michael Rodden made is more apropos, which says, I can't believe that the Santis folks couldn't stick around for 20 minutes for the system to right size itself, meaning to get more routers in to prevent the crash. But hey, what can I say? We're in a short span. Old Coxie, have you ever built a house? I built my house from scratch because when I had the time for um, when I had when I was building this house, I was an internet sort of an internet type provider, and I had a whole bunch of cables coming in. And I had to wire the whole house myself before they put the sheetrock in. So yes, that is the answer. Yes. Okay. Last night, um, I uh, Mom's Demand Action did a magnanimous thing in in that they honored. All those who were murdered at Uvalde, and I think it, it it also opened up our community to think about this in in depth. Uh, we got a lot more people that, that that than I was told was showing up. I was surprised that we had that many people out there. It's a work day. It's an afternoon, and you know it's not it's not well. The temperature was actually pretty good. But I was surprised to see so many people out there. So kudos to Susan Pollard uh, for putting on a good event. And I wanted you to listen to the interview that I did with her because this covers what's going on in our country right now. So let's go ahead with that and let's get busy. 
I'm here with Susan Pollard and Gabriela Diaz. The first thing I want to do is ask, what what is Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America? What's the purpose of your group? So the group is um, a grassroots organization to work hard to prevent gun violence in all sorts of ways to support survivors of gun violence, to get legislatures work towards passing sensible gun laws. Well, you know, it was I just came to have this, I guess you'd call this a memorial for the, the, the folks who perished at the site. And I just want to thank you all for doing this. I think more people need to see what's happening. What's your thoughts on what happened in Uvalde? I think um, I was in the pickup line about to pick up my daughter who was in the same grade as these students. And I've been a teacher for 16 years. So I think that um, for me, it was experiencing things from many angles. And I think that what you're saying is right, that we there's a whole kind of generation of adults that are really detached from what students are having to practice every day, what teachers are having to practice. When you say that, are you talking about your kids in school having to do the drills? For sure. I mean, nobody here tonight went like did a drill um, for something that would actually happen like my mom like hid under a desk from the Russians that never came but our students see that these things happen um, and they see that there is no change happening so that's what our group is about is we're demanding change because this cannot be a new reality for the United States. I hope not. Susan now the legislature is about to end. I think it's the last days on Monday and they had various bills that they they attempted to pass. There are a couple of them that that I know you were excited about it seemed like we were going to get the 21-year-old. What are your thoughts as far as how we are being represented, not only locally by our local folks, but nationally? What's your thoughts on that? Well, it's it's an ongoing frustration because they're not actually representing their constituents. 80-plus percent of all Texans, as well as people across the nation, want sensible gun laws. People feel it's reasonable to do things like raise the age to buy an assault weapon from 18 to 21. They want background checks on every gun sale. They want um, they want these things to keep us safer, and our legislators, even when they hear from constituents, aren't passing those laws that do keep us safer. So what can your organization do to incentivize them to do that? Well, we certainly work to organize to make sure that the legislators hear in their ways mm-hmm. that people do want those. We we get the word out to make calls when bills are coming up. We keep an eye on those bills so that so that there is communication about what people want. Um, we also um, Moms Demand Action is part of every town for gun safety and every town designates candidates as gun sense candidates who, who are in favor of sensible gun laws. And so anybody voting can go to the Everytown website and find those candidates. Now, what I find a lot of times is organizations like yours, um, you, you do a lot of the paperwork and try you follow the bills that are occurring. Are you eventually going to become political in the in the way of saying, well, this the way they voted this time around was wrong. We are actually going to put up a candidate that we know Absolutely. is going to do the, get the job done. In every single election since I've been part of Moms Demand Action, we've had 10 
Texas moms running. We have a whole program called Demand a Seat. We are training students because they are just a few years away from being able to represent themselves and their fellow students. So if, uh, if we don't have lawmakers who are willing to replace irresponsible laws, we are very ready to replace those lawmakers. And you do have actions to, to work on finding candidates that will fulfill that need. And candidates should be people like Susan and me and you, because that is what representative you know, democracy is all about. Um, so we are electing moms as well as lawyers. Uh, we're going from the school board all the way up um, every part of the ballot because we are done with the inaction that we've seen in the Texas legislature. Now, Susan, um, what would you want to tell those that are listening to you right now? How can they get involved with your organization? How can they get involved politically, as Gabriela was just talking about as well? What can they do? Well, if they're looking to get involved with our organization, they can text JOIN to 64433, which gets them in the Moms Demand Action Network and connected up to the nearest group to where they are. Moms Demand Action works very locally. We're very involved in our specific communities. Um, And if they want to get involved politically, once they're a part of our organization, if, if that's a good fit for them, we certainly, during legislative sessions, educate all of our members about what, what bills are coming up. We have, a, we have a team of people within Moms that work on, on the legislative issues. Susan and Gabriela, thank you so kindly for speaking to Politics Done Right. Thank you. That was great. That was great. Had a few button problems there. But yeah, uh, so they, they, they had, I, I mean, I, I recorded the whole, uh, let's see what time is it. Uh, you know what? Uh, the, the, the session, well, I'll do that another day. I recorded the preamble and the postamble of what the session was. The part that I didn't record was the part where they were reading uh, a little snippet for each of the 20-something folks who got, who got murdered. And the reason why it was sort of a privacy thing for the people who were reading it that I didn't do that. Uh, but I do have that on the website. I'll, I'll put a link on the website that you can see the whole ceremony. I thought, I, I thought it was very, very well put together. I thought it was. Uh, and, and the best thing about it is she made it effective. She made it short because, again, people have a lot of things to do. And if, if you do things this way, when you have programs you get a lot more participation when people know that the program itself will be, uh, you know, effective, uh, uh, commemorative and short. And, you know, you can fraternize and you can socialize if you, if you, if you need to, but if you have to go and do something else, you can as well. So very well done. I thought was the program that she put together. All right, let's see. Carl Cox says, Battlefield weapons only kill innocent people, especially children. Owners of these terrible weapons went, uh, want them to try and overthrow the government. Now, I, I want to talk about something. Um, you, I, I, it just came up in my mind because of, I don't know if you guys heard about the 11, 11-year-old kid who got shot in Mississippi. Um, when this stuff occurred, um, uh, let me put this on the screen. This is a young boy 
that came out of a room in uh, Mississippi. You can see him on the screen. His mother's uh, ex came to the house irate uh, while the while the guy was raising hell. The, the the guy that was irate was raising hell. The mother gave the cell phone to this boy to her son, and she told her son, her ten year old, eleven year old son, go call the police nine one one and report report them. A police came with guns drawn, told everybody to get out of the house. Okay? Told everybody to get out of the house. And to raise your hands up. And as this young kid, 11 years old, is coming out of the house, I mean, is coming out of the hallway, as soon as the cop sees him, the cops opens up and shoots the kid. The bullet went into the guy in the, into the kid's chest. His lungs collapsed. But luckily, it didn't hit his heart. The kid is okay. As the kid was shot, he shouted, Mom, what did I do? Mom. What did I do? I tell people all of the times. I do my utter best to stay out of the way of police officers. Period. Good or bad. I I want to have nothing to do with police officers. Absolutely nothing. Because let me tell you what I think happened. I don't think the cop wanted to shoot him. I think it was a, a chicken crap, a, a coward that wants to be a cop who doesn't know how to make decisions. And this kid comes out and he says, put your hands up. And the kid puts his hands up and he has a cell phone. This is my speculation. Has a cell phone in his hand as he put in his hands up. And the, the first thing the cop does is just pop a cap. I almost guarantee you that they're not going to let go this cop. They're going to say, oh, it was just one of those things. The most dangerous thing for a black person, a person of color to do, is to call 911 and ask for the presence of a cop. Because too often, the cop misconstrues you as being the party to be shot. It happens over and over again. It is racial bias that's implicit, intrinsic to our being, intrinsic to who we are as a country. And it's not something that we can get over by not teaching that it, it is there. It is not something that we can get over by having a DeSantis try to uh, 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 try to claim that this is not a, that, that it, it isn't so it won't get solved by us having an a, a buffoon running for the presidency by the name of Tim Scott 
who goes out and tell America, you don't have to make any changes. America is not a racist country. You don't have to make any changes, people. You don't have to feel uncomfortable that this young kid made a cop. And you know what? I don't even know if the cop is white or black. It doesn't matter. Because the supremacy of the institution proper gives the same results. That is why you could see five black cops and white, one white cop kill a black man in the streets of whatever town that was a few months ago. It doesn't matter. It is the, it is the institution itself that creates these problems. It is America proper who, who refuses to accept refuses to accept who it really is. And until, and until we get there, nothing is going to change. That kid, could anyone mistake that kid as anything but a kid? Could anyone mistake it? Luckily, all he got, and I'm saying luckily all he got, it was pretty extensive damage. Several broken ribs and a collapsed lungs, and of course all the injuries that will last thereafter. But, like I said again, I never call 911. I, it would have to be some, I, I don't, I, I, I want nothing to do with police officers. Absolutely nothing. I'm a professional. I'm educated. I'm an engineer. All these things are true. And I want nothing to do with police officers. While some people can see them as the person who is there to save them, I see them as a potential risk to my life. I mean, there are times I may want them. There are times I may want them, but even at those times when I want them, when I need them, there's a possibility that they will look at me as the subject. You know? Uh, so for all of you that are watching right now, I hope you take this into consideration when you watch the news, when you see things and understand the society that we live in. And that the only way we mitigate this is for, yes, we openly talk about the cancer within the society and stop trying to hide behind a Ron DeSantis who wants to erase all the books that detail these things that occur because it makes some people feel uncomfortable. This kid was almost left six feet under for doing Absolutely nothing. How is this kid going to grow up, folks? We, you know, when, when, when the average kid in America, uh, when they hear about the police officers, they think about the police officers as the someone that you go to, someone that you go to help. What is this guy's, this kid's impressions of police officers going forward? When he is 20 years old and he is in a car driving and he sees a cop behind him, he doesn't know if to stop or to run. He does not know if to stop or to run. He did what the cop said. He was shot. Philando Castile, 
in Minnesota did what the cop said. He was shot. The kid in, uh, in, in uh, Michigan did what the cop said. He was shot. Those who run from the, the cops, they are shot. What option do they have? What option do they have? Let me go ahead and take this call. You are on Politics Done Right. How can I help you, my friend? Brother, Hello, you're on Politics Done Right. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, Brother Egberto. Uh, hey, Ray, you, come uh, on in. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can hear you. Yes, sir. Uh, I heard you uh, opining on the what happened to the young boy by the cops. And, you know, I call that uh, Barney Fife police culture. You know what? Uh, Barney Fife from the Andy Griffith show? He was yes. Andy Griffith show. yes, 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 yes. He was yes. so overreactive, he couldn't even have any bullets in his gun. He kept his bullets in his pocket. But right. you know, the sad thing about it is we probably have a lot of cops that need to keep their bullets in their pockets because it's, it's clear that they don't know how to not use excessive force, even with the most minor, which literally a minor is the most minor threat that you can think of unless you think about like RoboCop 2, they had a child who was cussing and selling drugs and all that. But this child, I'm sure, did not give off that type of vibe. But you're right. You know, you don't dial 911 in most cases because, like Dave Chappelle said in one of his jokes, and I don't agree with everything he said, but he did make the point, you know, I'm scared to dial 911 because they might look at me and say, he's still here. I just was really, really basically um, responding to that particular factor of the matter when it comes to. Uh, uh, racial race. profiling and injustice, uh, as you were talking about it, but I didn't really have much to, to add. No, well, let, well let, me, let me just say this because this is important, and I'm thank you for call. Thank you so much for calling, and I wish more folks would call in. Don't be scared. I'm a nice guy. I don't get mad or anything like that. But but here's the important thing, Ray. Um, and 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 I think we have to be specific here. Uh, the people that have to that have to fear calling cops and and let me, uh, Breach has something that she put here on the screen that that's important as well. I I need to show that, but I'm going to show it after you come off the phone because you get an echo. When I have to fix something to prevent an echo when I have a particular meme up, but I'll fix that sometime in the future. Actually, I'll I'll try to fix it after the show. Um, but but here's the deal. I want you guys to think about this. How many accidental shootings do you have that doesn't, that isn't a person of color? I honest, look, I, let me, I'll be honest with you. I think this cop who shot this kid, and I don't have the information for this, okay? But I think this cop who shot this kid was just scared and trigger happy. Uh, you know, there, there is this test that they give. Uh, there's this test that you can go take, and, and it is, as soon as you see a picture, what's your reaction real quickly? And shoot or not shoot. That's what I think the cops take this test as well. Shoot or not shoot. And whenever the person of color shows, the, 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 the quickness with which the police officers shoot is much greater than it is otherwise. And w w what it is, is they have the belief that for some reason, people of color are more violent than white people. And it's not true at all. Now, if you're in the middle of 
a, a rough area to get to, of course it's going to seem that way. If you're policing in the ghetto, et cetera, but if you're looking at people in the same socioeconomic standings, right? That is not true at all. People are people are people, but they don't show you yeah, that. But I, I'll, I'll, but I also want to do you one better than that. Yes. Uh, if there was uh, um, a shooting that was accidental, and it wasn't, it wasn't a person of color. It was probably a lower, lower class, class poor person because they yes. get the same treatment as people of color. Right. If you're, if you're a, a lower class, non, um, I guess non-financial class white person. It's the same. It's the same treatment. By the way, let me tell you, and, and, and you know, just to show that I'm an equal opportunity offender, there was a, uh, there was a man in, uh, and this was funny, this is about... Eight years ago, you know, all these shootings have been continuous with the police officers, but the, they, but there was a there was a white guy in Georgia that got blown to smithereens. They barged into the, his office and, and 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 shot him right, and they made the news media didn't cover it at all. You can look at my website and find it, and I found it appalling. That they didn't, you know, it didn't fit the narrative. Police goes into uh, to white person's house in a fairly, you know, lower, lower class area. And well, I didn't make anything because it was a white guy that got shot. Right. And I blew it up. I went ahead and I said, no, this is wrong. And it, it was funny because a week or two later, somebody called into the show. That was when I was doing this show under the coffee party. Well, I still do it on the coffee party, but more so under the coffee party banner. And the person called and said, uh, you know, look at what happened to this white guy in, in Georgia who got uh, who got shot. And I'm like, yeah, I covered it. Look it up here. So, I mean, I think that's important what you just stated there, Ray. Very important. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to really the police don't have a general respect. Uh, well, certain characters, I'll say for sure, don't have a respect for people of certain well-voted, regardless of their health. Like you said, you are a professional, you're an engineer, you're all that. You don't have a legitimacy as a, as a class person to fear people, but you know the reality you are still a person of color. Exactly. You're still a Democrat. And you still have a certain stigma on you, no matter how you feel as a person, that you've done all the right things, the wrong cops to come up to you and say you're causing trouble, just if you're asking simple questions. Because like exactly. say, there are some cops that look at us more violently, even when we're just trying to get clarity on the situation that has. Exactly. So, again, just because I don't want to test which officers are good or not good, I simply don't call 911 and I stay out of the I try to stay out of our criminal justice system completely because as far as I'm concerned, it is a skewed system. So I stay out of it. But anything else you want to add, Ray? No, brother, I'm just talking. Come on, listen, and I, I, you know, I had to call in. I, I tell all, I want to tell all the listeners out there, hey, the line is open. Egberto is taking calls here. I'm, I'm glad he still got the phone open. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have to be the only voice. That's all I'm gonna say. But uh, I'm gonna just keep on listening. Thank you very much, Ray. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay. You as well. Bye bye. 
Okay, folks. Uh, oh, thank you, Ray, for making sure that our lines are still working perfectly. So anyhow, folks, so I, I sorry to jump on the soapbox there, but this one, this one hit me hard when I saw the little kid with a hole in his chest. I mean, you can't help. You can't help but feel about it. Now, what I want to do is I want to throw uh, what, um, you know, what uh, Bridge MCP put out there because I, I, I think you have to look at that, that map in, in the proper context. That, that, that number on her map, it, those are absolute numbers. And what that tells you is actually scary because of the population size, the different population sizes. It shows that chart. Blacks are completely and entirely overrepresented in being shot by cops. That's what that number shows. An overrepresentation of being shot. And don't forget the green areas that we see in her chart does not tell you what those races are. And you know what that is, is from all these agencies that don't quite report and they don't want to report race because likely you'd be scared to know or see what's there. Anyhow, I have another video to show. This was our, uh, this, this one here is, let me see how much time I got here. I better do the, the one with Chris Hayes. Oh, Chris, the image. Yeah. The image is on the screen right now. ABQ. I'm looking at the image on the screen right now. Oh, you're right. The image is not on the screen. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that guys. The image is on the screen now from bridge MCP. Okay. It's on the screen now. So give you a little bit of time to digest that. Take a sip of coffee, and then we'll do the other video. All right. Debt ceiling debate. This is the best analysis of what Republicans are doing right now. So to those of you who are my wonderful conservatives, I want you to take off your ideological cap and just put on your mathematical cap. This is important. This is going to be a lesson. Please. This is a lesson in fact-based information. When you look at the charts, remember these are discretionary spending, meaning non-military non, uh, non discretionary spending, and also military spending. So you're going to see what we're talking about, the hypocrisy that these guys are willing to use to run, to run our country into the ground if they don't get their way, even though what they want is not what they really say that they want. I want you to look at the numbers. I want you to be analytical here. Take a look at this. Let me, let me premise it. Republicans would say the reason why they want to hold the country hostage for the debt ceiling is because they want spending to be reduced. They want to make sure that we, that we become an efficient country, that we live within our means. We can't keep spending this way. We just can't yet. They are the ones who do the most spending or the most irresponsible spending because they continue to spend the same or more, even as they give tax cuts under the false premise, which we proved yesterday, that tax cuts generate economic activity, which is a proven fallacy. But let's go ahead and show what uh, Chris Hayes came about with. Cutting the budget by a fifth, 22 percent, which Republicans have proposed, would result in Here's just some estimates. 80,000 students losing access to Pell Grants, 200,000 kids losing access to Head Start programs, 430,000 low-income families getting evicted, 640,000 American families losing access to rental assistance, 1 million poor Americans with young kids losing access to food assistance, 
2 million individuals and families losing access to health care via community health centers and many other terrible preventable outcomes. And while a lot of folks are talking about how bad these spending cuts would be or how catastrophic, truly, defaulting on the debt would be for the first time in American history, tonight I want to talk about something a little different because not enough people are talking about why this is all happening in the first place. And I mean, like, really, let's just go down to fundamentals. We're watching the story. Maybe you've seen it. What is this about? Why are we having a debt ceiling showdown? Why are Republicans threatening to tank the global economy and default for the first time in this country's history unless they get their way to impose austerity and cut federal spending on those programs severely? Now, the stated justification for the hostage taking, you hear it everywhere, doesn't make any sense. And this is really the key to understanding this whole thing. The sort of top line answer, which again has been taken for granted as the answer in most mainstream coverage is that Republicans want to cut spending. And they want to cut spending because they have an ideological commitment to cutting spending. You see that everywhere. Kevin McCarthy says it. The reporters, by and large, that report on him tend to sort of go along with that. That's the fight. It is simply not true. It is maddening to see it repeated because it cannot possibly be the actual answer. And this isn't speculation or mind reading on my part. These are just the facts, the history. This is an empirical situation. We know that cannot be the answer because we have seen what the Republican Party does when it has control of the government and is free to pursue its agenda. When Republicans control both houses of Congress and the presidency, what did they do? Well, they cut taxes for corporations and rich people, and they do that every time without fail, right? And that's because the Republican Party really does believe in that. They really do believe in cutting taxes for corporations and rich people. They really do use their power to make it happen. It's the one piece of legislation they'll manage to get passed, even when they're screwing up left and right. Did in George W. Bush, right? Did in Trump. They push deregulation. They make life harder for undocumented immigrants. They restricted illegal immigration. Sometimes they pick cultural fights. They tend to boost spending for defense. But one thing they do not do when they have unified control of the federal government is reduce spending. Again, this is just a historical fact. I'm not doing any mind reading. I'm just telling you the simple fact of the matter. When they have control of the government, they do the opposite of reducing spending. They increase spending when their party is in power, when they control the White House. Why? Well, I think because, in the main, government spending is popular and tends to boost the political fortunes of the White House and the president in this case, a Republican president. It helps the Republican president get reelected. Axios put together this handy chart of government spending. The purple line is defense. The brown line is everything else. You can see it there. Spending goes up during the administration of Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush. And then it slows down a little bit. See that little flat line? During the Clinton years. <laughs> okay. Again, that's when Bill Clinton was a president. And then uh, after the, the, the House got taken over by Newt Gingrich, right? Republicans had a big budget standoff and they imposed spending cuts, right? And what happens? Well, then spending skyrocketed under George W. Bush. Okay, see? See how that line goes up? Right? Again, George W. Bush takes office. He's got a House and Senate, right? Republicans, they forced the country into two very pointless, very expensive wars. They also ran up a lot of domestic spending. And then what happens after that? Oh, look, it drops again. (laughs) Pretty dramatically under the Democratic president. And see the dip around 2011 there? 
That's the last time that Republicans were in opposition and held the House and held the debt ceiling hostage. The exact same playbook as right now. They demanded Democrats agree to painful, unpopular spending cuts or else Republicans would crater the economy. So, again, Republicans in power spent, spent, spent for decades while their president, they had the presidency, turned around, and pretended to care about curbing spending once Democrats are in power. Bill Clinton, certainly Barack Obama. And again, why? What's going on? Why are they not consistent, right? The answer is very simple and straightforward. They wanted to make it harder for Barack Obama to get reelected. Here's Mitch McConnell just days after Republicans retook Congress in 2010. For the past week, some have said it was indelicate of me to suggest that our top political priority over the next two years should be to deny President Obama a second term. But the fact is, if our primary legislative goals are to repeal and replace the health spending bill, to end the bailouts, cut spending, and shrink the size and scope of government, the only way to do all of those things is to put someone in the White House who won't veto any of these things. But they don't want to shrink the size and scope of government. They just had control of the government under George O. E. Bush, and they did not shrink its scope or its size. Again, you can't take what they're saying at face value because it makes no sense. So Obama was forced to strike a deal to get the debt ceiling raised, which pushed austerity measures that appreciably slowed the recovery from the financial crisis. It made the economy worse. It created unnecessary misery for millions. Also made it worse than it should have been when he was running for a second term in 2012. You can see it right here on this chart. The top line is how much the government was projected to spend during the Obama years. The bottom line is how much the government actually spent after the Tea Party forced Democrats to cut spending. See how the bottom line, the amount the country has spent, is way lower than what originally was projected before Republicans demanded cuts? But then you'll see something else. See how it kind of bows up there, starts to go up? It looks like the bottom line starts to tick up around. Drum roll, please. When could it be? Ah, yes, 27, 2017. Right after Donald Trump was elected and Republicans controlled Congress. What did they do? They started spending, of course. Let's go back to the first chart for a second and look at government spending under Trump. Oh, yeah, it skyrocketed. Look at the line shoot up. Non-military spending particular went way up under Trump and Republicans. In fact, Republicans spent so much partnered with massive tax cuts to the rich and corporations, the deficit increased nearly 40 percent under Trump. Again, <laughs> I'm belaboring this a little bit, but I just I can't bear it. OK, I think at this point, everyone sort of agrees Republicans don't actually care about the federal deficit. That was the old excuse. And, and no one buys that anymore. Clearly, they don't. You can't care about the deficit while you're also pushing massive tax cuts for the rich. Untenable. But people still haven't really come around to the, the even more basic idea that Republicans, they don't care about spending either the size and scope of government. But that's what the numbers say. Again, this is just I'm just reading you the history. So then the question becomes, this is a little bit of a mystery. Well, not really a big one. But the question is, if Republicans don't care about spending, which they don't, then why are they forcing a crisis over the debt ceiling? What's it really all about? And again, the answer is very simple. It is about asserting dominance over the Democratic president and hurting his political fortunes. I hope you guys understand that. And I hope you guys listen to what he had to say. And I hope you guys look at the charts you don't have to take his charts at face value. You can actually see what the what the different administrations spend. That that data is well available for anybody to find. I don't go look it up at the government agencies because they're again Chris Hayes and others have already done the job. 
So as you can see, the real culprit, those who have con continuously blown the budget, meaning they spend but they don't collect for it. When, when Democrats spend, at least they try to get some taxes for it. But Republicans want to give away the House and at the same time spend like a drunken sailor. And they, they, they don't want the spending for the military-industrial complex or all these places touched. It's important that we see this. So for folks like Mike Sisak, who are always talking about what's going on, sometimes it just makes sense to just do the numbers. The numbers will never lie to you. The numbers are statements of fact. So therefore, again, this is a farce. The debt ceiling debate is a farce. And it is time for the president now, if, if he cannot get a clean debt ceiling uh, bill to raise the debt, go ahead and invoke the 14th Amendment and let the Supreme Court decide if it will prefer to let the country falter instead of doing what's right, instead of doing what's constitutional. We know already that too often they take that unconstitutional route. One hopes that this time around they'll do the right thing because if they don't, there's going to be a lot of pain on a lot of Americans. And I, but I tell you what, I hope with, if, if, they, if they fail and we get the pain on Americans, maybe it will be the time that we dethrone the plutocracy because there are a hell of a lot more of us than there are of them. Okay? Uh, oh my God, gas lights are not becoming pulled back from the military if that is needed. We have no... Listen, again, uh, first of all, Eric, look at the big picture. We showed you the charts. We show you where the budget goes up, when the budget goes up. And that is when there's unified Republican government you get the spending like a drunken sailor. Whenever there's divided government, meaning that the president, either one or the other, you get a drop in spending because the Republicans hold this, the country hostage. It was there in black and white for you to see. Our deficit zoomed under Trump, under Bush, under Reagan. It plateaued under Clinton and under Obama. That's not hard to figure out. The numbers are there. The numbers are there. You can close your eyes if you want to. Daniel says, Russian collusion. There was no way a Democrat planned to remove, uh, remove a sitting president. Unfortunately, Mitchell McConnell does not have the FBI and CIA in his pocket like the corrupt Democrats do. You watch too much. You watch all the wrong TV, Mr. Ledo. Maybe sometime you'll watch more, more enlightening, more educational, uh, smarter TV at some time. Because right now it has a lot of people's minds fried. But, you know, all we can do is keep pushing forward. And that's what we do. We keep pushing forward to try to enlighten as best that we can. As best as we can. Anyhow, we're coming close to the end of the show. I want to ask all of you who are listening and who are, uh, are, are pass it on as well to please support the program. How can you support Politics Done Right? It's not hard at all. You can support Politics Done Right by... By joining our PayPal politics, or rather, yeah, let me do PayPal first. Becoming a part of our PayPal, or you can support the program by becoming a Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Politicsunright.com slash Patreon. Politicsunright.com slash Patreon. I want to remind you, I don't think I had any new contributions. Uh, 
since uh, our beautiful Bridge MCP, uh, John Cutter, and 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 uh, and uh, uh, AVQ, Mr. Rudnan support it. So I'm asking you all to please support. Uh, please go ahead and support what we're doing here. You can do it and help ensure that our trip is a successful trip to where again? To Chicago for what again? For Netroots. And what are we going to be doing at Netroots again? We're going to be meeting all the politicians, the progressive politicians, everybody trying to make this a better world. That is where we're going to be at. I'm trying to find the link to the program today. Did we send out links to the program today? I thought we did. I thought we did. And yes, we did. So I ask you so kindly to support the show. And here is the link if you want to contribute to the show, rather to the, to the trip. Here it is right there. Hey, uh, please consider supporting our, pro, I mean, our trip to Chicago for the, what again? Netroots 2023. Anyhow, I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? What am I? We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.